You are listening to iFanboy Explode with Rick Remender, writer of Fear Agent, The Punisher, and Dr. Voodoo, Avenger of the Supernatural. Hey, welcome to another edition of iFanboy Talks Explode. My name is Ron Richards, and I'm flying solo today as I talk to one of our favorite writers, Rick Remender, who's the writer and creator of one of our favorite indie series, Fear Agent, as well as he's been doing some great work over at Marvel Comics, including The Punisher and the, and the upcoming Doctor Voodoo Avenger of the Supernatural. Uh, as you'll hear, Rick is super excited about the work he's been doing at Marvel, and we got started by talking about Doctor Voodoo. One of the big books, uh, one of the big announcements that came out of the cons was uh, you taking on the Brother Voodoo or Doctor Voodoo book uh, that's getting spun out of New Avengers. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I know a lot of people. Uh, the, there was a lot of hubbub about the you know the move from Doctor Strange now to Doctor Voodoo and what Bendis did with it. And from everyone I spoke to, you were clamoring to get your hands on this character to do this book. And my one question is why. Um, well, it, it almost sounds as if you 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 are skeptical of its awesomeness um, with your with your with your tone. Well, Ron, well, 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 let's be honest. So, Brother Voodoo has been a has been a a, a B list at best character that we haven't seen a lot, right? And there's been you know, and 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 Doctor Strange is one of the holy of holy characters. So it, it seems like they would be taking off a lot. You know, it's it's taking on a lot to define now the new Sorcerer Supreme. Sure, and it is. But there's so much awesomeness to be had from from the voodoo mythology stuff. I mean, looking at the lows and the gods and the way that this is structured, it's interesting because I actually turned Doctor or Brother Voodoo into into the Sorcerer Supreme in an issue of What If that I wrote a couple years ago, um, and uh, I, I had him lead the X Men and uh, um, and and basically I. I always sort of been drawn to the character and it was very strange because uh i was talking with with uh, the guys over the on the xbox and brian said he was going to turn he was going to turn uh, the the brother voodoo into the doctor voodoo and uh i immediately was just like holy shit you know like i, I yeah i love that idea too i did that in a what if and he's like oh my god and we realized that we like the same ridiculous things um <laughs> and i think it comes from sort of seeing the the, the hidden potential in characters um you know, a character like like Bullseye is is nothing without Frank Miller. It's nothing. It's a dude who I hit the Bullseye. If I told you Bullseye right now, and it weren't for Frank Miller, you, you would say, "Why do you want to do Bullseye?" But good people have made the character interesting, and there's potential there. And for me, uh, I love the Sorcerer Supreme stuff. Um, I love the idea that uh, Stephen Strange has has had the role for too long. And that it's time to pass on the mantle. And with the stuff that uh, Bendis and I have been cooking up for what's coming up in in in, in the supernatural universe, it's going to be giant. So it all stems from a place of I really like the Marvel Shadow characters and the supernatural stuff. Um, you know, I'm going to be doing uh, doing stuff with the Legion of Monsters, and I'm going to you know, we've got Frank and Castle coming up. Um, we're going to be dealing a lot with the. For me, if I get the Marvel in the Marvel sandbox, that's where I want to be. Now, it's not necessarily a giant brainy career move. Um, <laughs> it well, I mean, it could be. I, I'd much rather be the guy who takes things that I see potential in and really enjoy writing and 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 get a you know an iron fist out of it or something right. that gets a really devoted fan following and and you know 
people who actually genuinely really, really enjoy it than to do something that might have a, a wider audience but isn't personal to me. So going back to the original question, for I see in Jericho Drum just a tremendous amount of potential for a great character. Um, you've got this en- entire cast of Loas, all of these really interesting voodoo gods that, that live in, in uh, you know, we've got a sort of, if you can imagine, if, um, if Asgard was Odin, um, I'm, I'm trying to uh, establish Bondé, uh, which is uh, voodoo heaven, which is basically um, Odin is the universe. He, you know, uh, the the Lord, the voodoo, the voodoo god, uh, the god of gods, sort of is the place. And we've got a giant cast that is is very similar in in terms of what what uh, what Kirby did with the cast of uh, uh, of Norse um, mythological characters that you find in Asgard. Um, and so it's interesting in that you can make it a new kind of Sorcerer Supreme. He's not just a new dude dressed up like Stephen Strange trying to do the same things. He's got, um, he's got this thrust upon him, and I think that that's a really interesting angle as well. He one day wakes up, and he doesn't have any... He's not, uh, I, I always like the idea that like, uh, any, anybody who runs for president probably shouldn't be president. <laughs> anybody who runs for office are automatically should be excluded. Um, and so this guy isn't running for office. He's a guy. He's he's uh, he's part of the shadow universe of the Marvel. Uh, you know of the Marvel universe, and he's he is all of a sudden selected to be Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah. Um, it gives me goosebumps. And and he realizes so. Stephen Strange is is looking tired and old, and he's made some mistakes. And and this gets handed over to Jericho. And basically, he's looking at what he's got on his plate, and he's, he's looking at the Marvel Universe, and he's seeing Mephisto has been screwing with reality. He's seeing the Scarlet Witch has been screwing with reality. Marvel zombies are seeping in from other dimensions. Dracula's taking over London. Um, uh, Ileana Rasputin is hopping back and forth between Limbo, leaving dimensional portals open. It's in total disarray, and beyond that, the hood is powered by, you know, he was dealing with Dormammu, and that led Dormammu to almost being in our universe, which has always been a big deal in the Marvel Universe. Dormammu coming here is a big deal. Like, it's not, you don't want that to happen. Um, And then there's characters like Doctor Doom, there's characters like Nightmare, there's like these characters who, as far as I'm concerned, are the things that Marvel are made of, and I want to bring them to the forefront. And so we're gonna, and there's gonna be, this is not just hyperbole, this, the stuff that's happening in, in the Dr. Booty series is going to bleed into a giant war of the supernatural. It's going to be a lot of big stuff happening that'll bleed into other books. And eventually, you know, it's going to have ramifications that I think are a lot of fun. When you think about like, um, potential of a character, inherent potential, I think Jericho Drum's got a, a lot of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, what I think, what I thought was interesting, and from the stuff that I've seen uh, from the book that's coming up, is that, you know, like you said, you know, the, the idea of the Sorcerer Supreme, someone's going to get the cloak, the Eye of Agmato, whatever, and then just be a, a strange replica. But this seems like merging of the voodoo world and that ma- strange magic that we've known for all these years, you know. Um, and so how much of... How much of that, you know, like how much research do you have to do to, are you trying to get that right? Are you making it up as you go along or, you know, the, the, how much of the voodoo aspect is going to play into what the stuff that we already know about? Um, well, a lot. Uh, and I've, I've done a lot of research and I've read a lot about the Loas and the different, in the different, uh, um, uh, Petra Loas and all the different things that are, uh, you know, some of it's, it's, you know, there's Haitian and there's African and there's American, there's different versions of these things. So ultimately what I'm doing is, 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 is is very close to uh, uh, you know a cre- recreation of something like Asgard and, and, yeah. and like I said it's 
it is taking um it is it is building off of the, the this you know the real voodoo ideas and these real these real uh you know deities these these loas and turning them into comic book characters i'm not i'm not i'm not married to what 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 was you know what has been written about them in in the actual in the actual voodoo but i am using that as a foundation to build them and then kind of go a little crazy with it right um and then you sort of mix that where You've got, but you still have a lot of the Doctor Strange things going on. You still have the Son of Satan. You still have these characters that have kind of been—they pop up in other books around the Marvel universe, but they've never had a central spotlight put on them, where the things they're dealing with are big and have huge ramifications. Um, and uh, we've just got so much fun stuff planned for this, you know. And you look at what I was doing in my creator-owned universe—you know, five years ago, I'm doing Strange Girl and Fear Agent. And there's a, there's a lot of similarities between Strange Girl and something like Doctor Voodoo, the same as there's similarities between Heath Houston and Frank Castle. Um, you know, so it is it is kind of a joy to uh, to write things that I feel so comfortable with, and get to do it with some of the toys that I you know grew up reading. Right. So um so what is the so is this a kind of a case of like a legacy kind of everyone moving up a notch? So you know so Doctor Brother Voodoo is now Doctor Voodoo, and now does Strange become the new ancient one? I mean, what is Stephen Strange's role going to be in the book? Um, I, 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 for respect to, to what Wade has planned, I shouldn't talk about uh, Stephen Strange fair and, and what he's going to do because I don't know what exactly Wade has talked or hasn't talked about. Yeah. Um, everybody, I, I, it's it's interesting. People, uh, people uh, have, have come up to me and, and talked about it, and they assume that we're all idiots. And <laughs> I, I always find that funny. Like, oh yeah, so you guys are just going to do this for like ten issues and cancel it, and then Stephen Strange is going to come back in because that's how people talk to me when they say shit I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> In my head, I really do hear that. Yeah. And then you're going to be... And I'm just thinking... Anyway, so... Yeah, but I, I, I think it's interesting because, you know, the plan is not that Stephen Strange is just going to come back and do this. Right. You know, there have been other Sorcerer Supremes beyond the Ancient One, and um, there's uh, one of Sebastian Shaw's relatives, one of uh, one of Storm's relatives. Wow. Uh, going back in history, there's been all kinds of inter- interesting lineage that goes back to other people who've had the mantle of Sorcerer Supreme. And we're going to even delve into some of that. We're going to do a little jumping around. Um, so for me, you know, I think that the uh, the thing to keep in mind is that like it's not um, it's not just the case of of this is this is going to be happening for a short period and then Stephen is going to uh, automatically get this role back. There are other plans for Stephen. Right. Okay, so um, so you, you talk about this leading up to this whole lot of lot more supernatural stuff in the Marvel universe, and and I gotta admit, I mean, I'm you know we we've talked before, and I'm a big you know I'm a big Marvel zombie, and that's what I kind of grew up reading. And so when you said you know when you say nightmare, I kind of got all excited because I remember the old nightmare stories that I've read and things like that. But do you think that? And it's and it's fascinating when you laid it all out. I never really thought about how much magic there actually is in the Marvel universe. You know, with Doctor Doom, and you mentioned Ileana Rasputin and all these other characters, but. I feel as if there are all these kind of little corners of each of the different kind of uh, parts of the Marvel Universe, and if this is bringing them all right. to one thing, do you think that the, the Marvel reading audience wants that, or that's something that's going to be marketable to the to the Marvel Universe fans? Because we've been in a period of like intense realism, you know, and, and sci- science fiction, maybe. There hasn't been a ton of magic. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not a fan of intense realism, yeah. you know? Um, I don't know. I can only, uh, like, I think if I get you excited while we're talking, if you're thinking, like, if you're thinking, like, you know what, I was skeptical at first, but that sounds fucking awesome. Yeah. If that's actually something that, that happens, then I know that I know it's going to work, and I know that, like, people like us will enjoy it. The same way that, you know, I think that you and I have talked in the past about different things that we both respond to, 
if I'm going to be happy with my work, if I'm going to do what I do best, then this is what I'm going to be doing and things that I think are super cool. As for, as for like if a broader Marvel audience is going to be drawn to it, I, I really hope so because, you know, like there's, there's the, the thing that I always find interesting is that when, pe- when a character has been dusted off and reestablished and shown like the beauty and awesomeness that is inside that character, then everybody assumes that it was always that way. Oh, that character's always been great. But that's not, that's not the case. You look at most characters. You look at the X-Men, you know, yeah. for, 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 for 10 years, the X-Men were the garbage characters. They were the bottom of the barrel Marvel characters that nobody wanted. Um, and, and then somebody came along and said, hey, wait, these are, these are really fucking awesome. Check this out. And then everybody goes, yay! <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 then it, and then they're the standard. Well, it's not like the X-Men. Well, you know, and nothing was always the X-Men. And the, so it's a lot more fun for me being in a Marvel now to take things that I have an affinity towards and think can be can be given life and I really hope that people who might think that they don't have uh, anything you know or, or they don't they, or they don't dig the magic stuff maybe maybe people who weren't of an a, a age where they read the Doctor Strange stuff back in you know in the 80s when Paul Smith and guys were doing really interesting things with it um, and Steve Englehart and all all of that that wackiness or even going back to Lee and Ditko yeah as you say the trippy uh, stuff of the 70s that was just like yeah ooh, or the or the, the trippy I mean yeah there's yeah. stuff yeah. Uh, with the Frank Bruner art, and yeah, I mean, yep. it's, there's there's some craziness, and I love it. It's the stuff that you know Grant Morrison, you know, <laughs> is made of, and all the things that you love about Grant, who takes, you know, I think really, really, really uh, uh, smart storytelling and, and, and perfect foundation, but then tells very fun, pulpy, crazy stories. Um, mixing those two things, mixing the aesthetics of something that that's pop culture and and, and 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 goofy and crazy and fun, but telling a real story with it. That's what comic books for me are about, you know. And so for me, the magic stuff in the Marvel universe and is uh, is, is ripe because everything else has been those toys have been played with by so many people. And here are here are like like Dormammu and Nightmare and these new voodoo gods that we're creating and Clea and the dark and light dimensions and um, you know like like you mentioned all the different characters who exist in in sort of the corners of other books who are magical. Um, this is going to be a, an attempt to make an Avengers book for them and Jericho is an Avenger, and he's the guy. The Avengers should have a dude who deals with the supernatural, and shouldn't it be the Sorcerer Supreme? So I think it's an exciting thing, and I mean, you know, sometimes I think things are exciting and the general population doesn't, and like you and I have talked about music, and my wife always points out most of the music that I love most never made anybody any money or didn't sell, you know, a ton of a ton of records. So you got, but you got to listen to your heart and just do what you think is right, and I think that... Um, you know, I I pitched this book as hard as I could because I I, I love it, and hopefully that'll come through and people will take it. Yeah, no, totally. And, and it's funny you mentioned the Avengers because when I saw the the solicit and I saw the title and I forgot the exact wording it is, but it, you know, is it Doctor Voodoo the Avenger Aven- of the Super Avenger of the Supernatural? <laughs> so perfect. I can't wait to see the cover logo treatment of that. <laughs> I think it's going to be just big Doctor Voodoo, and then underneath Avenger of the Supernatural. <laughs> I don't know. There's people who don't who don't get who don't get uh, fun yeah. and and. Those people are not my my audience, and they never will be. The self serious comic fan. Yeah. I'm sorry, you know, but if you don't go in for it for like, if if you're listening to Disturbed, you and I don't get along. <laughs> you're not gonna dig, you're not gonna dig what I'm doing, you know. Like if you're if you're uh, 
you know, if you're not a fan of, of something like Avenger of the Supernatural, then I've already lost you, I guess. Well, well, speaking of the serious comic fan, I know that there, uh, the, the, there was some flack with Brother Voodoo with um, his appearances by, uh, by Bendis in the Avengers books in terms of the characterization and specifically uh, the language that Bendis used. Um, oh, uh-huh. uh, so now, you know, that, that, whereas through the years, Brother Voodoo has always been seen and yes, he's, you know, from New Orleans or, or Haitian or whatever. And, and, but Bendis wrote him with a very, a obvious accent. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and, uh, you know, from what I've seen, you're not carrying through with that kind of characterization. What was your thoughts around writing characters and accents and specifically with Brother Voodoo? Hmm. Um, you know, it's interesting because you could go back and, and be a slave to what other people have done. And even recently, something like that, I, I, I read what Brian did and I liked it, but I didn't ultimately, when I was writing the character, hear that voice in my head. Um, I hear, I hear, um, um, James Earl Jones through the, you know, through the mouth of Gandalf. I don't know. I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I hear, I hear that. I hear, very, I hear, I hear James Earl Jones. If, if, if he was Gandalf, that's, I guess, what I hear. Um, and I think when you're writing a character, if you're going to try and adhere to what's going on in continuity, you're, you're, you're maybe going to miss out on some opportunities to find your sort of voice with him. And yeah. for me, it's like, um, you know, I, 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 I don't hear that, and so I can't write that. And if I tried to, it would come, it would come off really unnatural. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jericho's a, 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 you know, he's a psychiatrist. He's a guy with a, you know, PhD. He's, he's an educated, smart guy. And but he he also was born and raised in um, in Haiti and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of pros and cons to trying to pull off that dialect or have it in there either way and I you know I think Brian did it great it just doesn't it's not something I hear yeah yeah it's it's interesting because I know that when I when I picked it up and I saw a spelling brother with B R U D D A I was like oh I kind of cringed a little and I knew what he was trying to do and I know that Bendis likes to take challenges and stuff like that but um sure sure yeah, sure you know so it's just and it's more and I think it's more of a, a example of kind of writing where you know like where you know like Claremont always wrote people with their accents you know like reading Gambit and like hey the Sherry and all this kind of crap and where you put that in, right. the, in the mindset but then you know I know other writers just write straight no accent no visible accent just know that that character is from this area and you and the voice in your head, um, but I definitely yeah. do. I mean, I, I'm not saying I'm for or I ain't for or again it. I do do it with you know with 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 Heath, with Heath Houston. I definitely yeah. do it. Um, yeah. I you know grow, I, growing up in in, in Phoenix and, and and living in different places like Casa Grande and some of the some of the the places I've lived in Arizona. Um, I, I definitely have been around uh, that element enough to think that I you know in my head I. I hear, I hear, I hear a text in, in, in Heath, and I think that I, I sort of write him that way because I hear it, because I can clearly hear it. Um, I, th- I, f- I feel like if I was to try and do something like a Haitian accent, I would, I would not do it so well because I, I'm not very familiar with it. Yeah. Cool. So uh, the first issue comes out. Uh, it's uh, soon, right? Isn't it? Um, I forget the release date. Is it early October? No, yeah, it's October, yeah. so it's coming up, and yeah. um, you know, I, I hope that everybody listening will, will give it a try because I'm I'm absolutely in love with it, and I think the first issue. Look, I can honestly say if the first issue doesn't grab you, then then you know it probably won't. But I, I feel really strongly that the first issue is really strong, and and uh, strong, strong, strong. And is it, it going to be an on, is it an ongoing or is it going to be a mini or what's the what's the approach it's, with the book? It's an, yeah, it's yeah. it's an ongoing, yeah. and uh, the stuff we've got planned for the first eight issues will then spill into some other big things that are coming up. And uh, I uh, yeah, I mean Marvel's Marvel's taking a taking a uh, you know a big a big step on this one to give the supernatural stuff some some cojones and to send it you know put it center stage and uh, hopefully people will respond. 
Cool. So in in the in an almost exact opposite direction of supernatural stuff, you've been your uh, issue eight of the Punisher just came out, um, and so you're coming on about uh, you know almost a year on that book, um, you know, and it kind of launched right during the uh, during the whole launch of the whole Dark Reign. So how how are you? How satisfied are you with where you're at with the Punisher these days? Uh, I feel good about it. I feel like the the first five issues that Jerome and I did are on par with anything that we did on Fear Agent. Um, I'm, you know, it's hard to. I, I'm. I, anytime you hear anybody else analyze their own work that way, it always sounds so fucking terrible. Like, uh, I I like I like what I did. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's I like what I did. Um, I like it. I think that. Um, I think that if if uh, with. I, I couldn't be like more proud of issues like nine, ten, the list, and then eleven, and mm. then the annual that I did with Jason Pearson. There's like five or six Punisher things coming up that are like, I, it's insanity to me how good I feel about them. Mm. The list thing, I got John Romita Jr. pages coming in, and the things we're doing in there, um, it just felt it was like one of the most natural scripting sessions I ever had writing that thing, and to see uh, John Romita Jr. He's perfect, you know, so perfectly capture it, and uh, and then to have Klaus Jansen inking it, uh, it, you know, I'm holding it as like an all-time high in my in my life. Yeah, like when um, I when I saw the whole rundown of the creative teams on those list books, and and you know, and I saw you know Alan Davis and and things like that, and then I see that you got John Romita Jr. My immediate thought was back to Punisher Warzone and that, that bullet hold cover, yeah. you know, and I was just like, oh, Rick is Rick just totally he's doing a little dance, I bet you. <laughs> Yeah, 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 and I, and and I, I did a lot of dancing, yeah. and then I had to sit there and stare at the computer at, at, a, at a flashing cursor, and, and it, it kept saying, "Now write a story, fucker." <laughs> um, but the stuff that actually happens in this uh, was planned out since the very beginning of the Punisher series. Right. Well, uh, that, well, dead end. well, that's what I want to ask you: is that how much of this Punisher has been has been yours to write, and how much of it has been tied into what's been going on with Dark Reign and kind of the bigger Marvel direction? Oh, none. None. That's the great thing. Axel and I um, have worked really closely together, and Sebastian as well, my, my editors on this, to, uh, to, to do something that hasn't been done, hopefully, and to try and, and mix some of the fun of, of what, what Matt was doing and some of the grittiness of what Garth does, and at the same time spin a, a contemporary tale that, that had some of what I do with some of the pulpy high adventure stuff with Velocity. Um, and and uh, I, I really think that we've achieved it and people's response has been overwhelming um you know i think that the uh, by the time if you if you if you read the first the first uh 11 issues uh i think that you you you'll agree that it's uh it's it's a wonderful it's one big wonderful story um and we made sure that the annual that i did with jason pearson i mean jason pearson yeah. and dave stewart it's crazy that's it's awesome. so good yeah. it's uh, and it's dealing so Basically, the first five issues um, are, are the setup, and it's versus he's dealing with, you know, he tries to kill Norman, fails, now he's after the hood. Uh, as a response, the hood brings Microchip back to life, and then he brings back to life, you know, a handful of supervillains that were killed by Scourge, puts them in, puts Microchip in, char- in charge of them, and says, go kill Frank Castle, because really the hood's got other things to do. He has to go fight the Avengers and stuff. So... Other than the hood leaving uh, and, and leaving the fight up to those guys for two or three issues between between six, seven, and eight, um, that's the only sort of concession made in, in sort of terms of making sure that it, it, it worked with Dark Rain, where the hood wasn't just solely fixated on Frank Castle and that he did put other people in charge of, of going after and doing this. Um, and then issue 10, 
if you, I, I just anybody who hasn't read any, it and doesn't plan on reading it, if you'll read, if you'll read issues ten, the list, and eleven. Eleven is the first issue I'm doing with Tony Moore, and it's 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 about halfway done now, and it's so gorgeous. Um, the things we do in ten and the list and eleven will blow your mind. It's the most fun I've ever had writing comics. Well, it's like it's funny because you know, in, in preparation for to talk to you last night, I sat down, and I read one through eight, just in a you know, I've been getting them on the monthly basis. But I want to read them as one cohesive story. And the one way, the what I left with it was just that that idea of fun, or that like just the fact that the the whole um, the the scenes with Frank and um, uh, breaking into the weapons cache and all that kind of stuff. It just seemed like this like action sequence lasted multiple issues. You know, and it never really it, it, the, the action never really stopped. And I, after every issue, I was like, "Let me go to the next one. Let me go to the next one." They just built with that momentum. Um, is that really kind of the, the idea? Like you said, that the kind of fast-paced, you know, hyper kind of um, pace to the book is that's going to maintain? Is that is that the pace of the book moving forward? Or oh, it, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's how I. Lo- I mean, you know, I, I I try and slow things down, and it's the hardest thing in the world for me. And I'll force myself to do it. And, but then I'll, if I write five pages of a conversation, no matter how like in love I fall with like the conversation dialogue that I write, I'll always cut it down to two or three pages, yeah. because I want to give those other two pages to an, to an artist to see what he can do with some other crazy visual that's a little more exciting. Yeah. And it made me a better writer in terms of getting things across that without having it be uh, clearly exposition. When you write five pages to get some exposition across through a dialogue, you have a lot of time to sort of buffer transition and sort of buffer things that are clearly getting information across. Mm. And in three pages, it's a lot more difficult. Um, but I have uh, written on my computer on a, on a yellow stick-em pad, it just says velocity. Mm. And I really like the word velocity. Um, and I really like in comic book stories that grab me, get the hook in, get me to care about the character, and, and, then, and then go, rocket me through some craziness. Yeah. Because it's a visual, it's a, it's a comic, you can do anything. You're not hindered by any budget. As long as you're grounded in telling a story where the characters are still important as well, um, and, and that's also the trick, is to keep the action moving and building the characters through the decisions and the choices they make via the action. Um, you know, well, when I first started the book, Axel, uh, my editor, Axel Alonso, said that he, uh, th- this is the 40 ounce uh, of comic books, you know. Mm. This, isn't, this isn't a think piece. This is this is this is uh, this is fun, <laughs> and I really I really liked that because yeah. I, I it was like look I want to get like what we do in issue ten, we do things to Frank Castle and we get into Frank Castle's head in ways that I don't think have been done, um, and and that's uh, that's hyperbole, but I, I just feel like we've hit some real raw nerves that I'm I'm, I'm really excited to see people read, <laughs> but at the same time that stuff takes place during a real fun roller coaster ride of a comic book and, and that's mm-hmm. hopefully I think that's what if the Punishers in the Marvel Universe you know that's what I want to see right. and at the same time you don't like that and you don't like Frank Castle meeting up with the you know Legion of Monsters and dealing with uh, the hood and, and uh, you know resurrected uh, Death Adder then <laughs> <laughs> you've got Jason Aaron and, 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 and Dylan relaunching the Max book which will be completely hard-boiled crime in, 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 you know, in a universe that doesn't have super-powered humans. Yeah, I mean, that, because it's, it's funny, because I, I was I was actually laughing, because while I was reading it, um, because, you know, for years we had, we had Garth Ennis's run on The Punisher Max, and then, you know, like you said, now Jason Aaron's coming on it, um, but, like, comparing that, what, I, what I've known of that, you know, kind of outside of the 616 universe, you know, to, to use this stupid term, um, not really stupid, I like the 616, but anyway. I uh, do, too. Yeah. I, I, I love <laughs> I digging love... through the Alan Moore continuity totally. stuff. Totally! 
<laughs> and re- and naming the entire universe. I love the multiverse. Yeah. I'm dealing with in, in the Doctor in anyway. Yeah, I. <laughs> We've got a thing called the ever the ever dimensions in the mm. new Sorcerer Supreme book and Doctor Voodoo that I deal in that, nice. that, that taps into that thing kind of fun. So awesome, fun but it, but anyway, um, the one thing that I noticed was like in in your Punisher book, you know, like Frank Castle drives away in a motorcycle and it's got a Punisher skull on it, <laughs> right? And just like, you know, and like little. Well, he's like, yeah, he's he's like the Batman of the Marvel universe. Yeah, like, I, like I put, I want that skull. That skull is the same as Batman's. It's it's the target philosophy to yeah. give the guy something to shoot at. Um, and it's uh, and it's really it's really cool. Or that uh, that like ridiculous a, page where he's in all the uh, Avenger gear, yeah. where he's got the Ant Man helmet, but he's, I noticed he yeah. spray painted a Punisher skull on it. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jerome Pena made sweet sweet sex on that. I had such a boner when that page came in. <laughs> Any, I just you know, at some level, you catch yourself writing scenes. Like yeah. I, you catch yourself writing writing a scene where Frank Castle is is he's holding Taskmaster Shield, wearing Iron Man's gauntlet. He's got Ant-Man's helmet on, um, and he's standing there, and he's painted his skull all, on all of them in a white and black motif. Yeah. And, and you send the script off, you see what comes back. <laughs> and in the hands of somebody like Jerome Pena, who's the, the king genius of Science Town, that, that page comes back, and you're just... And it, it's got emotional impact, I think, yeah. to not pat our own asses. I think there's a point where you recognize Frank's got the deck stacked against him, and what's he going to do? And you turn around, and he's suited up. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he crawls, he uses the Ant-Man Tim particles, he crawls in people's heads, he blows up, it's fun. <laughs> now, um, what I thought was interesting also was when, you know, at the same time as you resurrect the old, you know, fat microchip, you give Frank kind of a 21st century microchip with the with the new character, the new hacker character. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and now, of course, you probably know where I'm going with this, is that, you know, when when I first saw him, you know, the, he takes, uh, Frank, you know, injured Frank back to his apartment, and there's all hardcore band posters all over his apartment. I was like, nice. Like, Rick is just putting in something that he likes into the book. <laughs> and, and then recently, you, you know, introduced the fact that he's a straight edge kid. Why, from a character standpoint, why put that in, in the mix with Frank? Like, why make a point of, of distinction for that character? Well, the character was created knowing who he is, and yeah. that, that reveal is coming in issue nine, um, and I wish I could give it away, but it's such a big one. Okay. Um, it, it deals in why Henry's straight edge. I mean, I don't just, in the, I don't just arbitrarily apply things. I didn't assume you did. I assume there's a reason. No, 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 yeah, and I didn't, yeah. I, well, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, but I'm just saying, for the sake of, like, um, it, it's easy to, when you like things, you know, I'm sitting around listening to Seven Seconds going like, oh, okay, he's straight edge, and he's, you know, he's all poggy cord, and, uh, and it wasn't, it was born more of, I knew who he was going to be as of issue one, I knew why he was looking for Frank, I knew what his motives were in finding Frank, um, and, and it sort of fit. That that given his background, when you see his background, when you see what he grew up in, when you see what he dealt with, that he would become somebody who was sort of a strident, straight edge kid who had a very sort of um, he, a very a very he's very opinionated politically, and and he's got he's punk minded in in whatever what punk used to be anyway, um, where he sees what's happening with the with the. Uh, the corporate machine and 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 the, the Norman Osborns of the world, and he wants to take that down, but he's also got another reason for helping Frank, and 
Issues 9 and 10 uh, hit Frank in the face pretty hard with what those reasons are. I'm pretty excited about well, it. Yeah, and because part of it was that I was really excited for that character. And I really liked that dynamic. I, I haven't liked the years of Punisher without Microchip. Like, I, I like the idea of, of a guy in a room with the computer screens and handling the tech form while he's out in the field. Um, right. But then, you know, but then, you know, in the in I forget what issue, maybe maybe six or seven, him and Frank have Henry and Frank have a tussle, and where Henry's you know f- you know kind of gets mad that Frank you know kind of slammed him against the wall. And I saw the crack starting that relationship. I said, "Oh, I want this to last. Don't end this so quickly." Um, is this, so? Is he going to be a character that's going to be around, or is this going to be a flash? Yeah, thing? yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He's around. Okay. I mean, in, in one, in, in, in he, he's around, and that <laughs> that relationship with Frank, uh, I I can't give it away. Yeah. No, don't, I, don't. I, and I wouldn't want you to. It, but. It, he, yeah, Henry. I love Henry. I love writing Henry. Yeah. Um, you know, the greatest thing that I got to do, and I think some of the preview pages uh, went up on Cup of Joe today um, with, with Henry on. Henry took that rocket racer board and yeah. refitted it, and uh, there's, an, there's a big chase sequence in 9 nice. where he's, uh, he's being chased by Blue Streak, who's been redesigned by Tan to look amazing. Yeah. Uh, this rollerblading, crazy, armored guy with, <laughs> with blades on his wrists. Um, it, it actually looks super awesome in Tan's uh, skilled hands. Um, and I got to do something that I've always wanted to do, and that's to take sort of how I would like to see Rocket Racer, just being like a regular old punker kid, yeah. zipping around on a uh, uh, on a on a hovering skateboard, skating the city, you know, like a like a like a skate park. Um, <laughs> but so I like Henry; he's not going anywhere. And cool. He plays a big he plays a big role. In the, the the dead end arc uh, wraps with a big a big reveal of Henry. And then, uh, as Tony Moore and I get going on the Frankencastle stuff, Henry will be back. So, what, so what's the deal with the Frankencastle thing? I've seen the image. I've seen the two images that have kind of come out of it. And you mentioned Legion of Monsters. I mean, how, I know you probably want to, you know, don't want to reveal that much, but you know, is it a, a, a surprise that uh, not a surprise? A coincidence is coming in around October. Like, is it? <laughs> I mean, is it really going to go the horror angle, or what's the what's the story behind the Frankencastle story? Yeah, I, I can't. I, I'm not <laughs> supposed to talk about it. it it's. <laughs> It it was and and not to toot my own shit, yeah. uh, but when to- Tony and I uh, got rolling on this thing and, and and cooked it up, it actually was born of something that that Jason Aaron and and uh, and Matt Fraction and Tony and I were trying to put together a few years ago, yeah. and then um, and then sort of distilled down into to this one idea that was sort of born naturally of uh, the events in the list and. Uh, it it all just came together perfectly, and when uh, when it was pitched at the retreat, it was it was very well received. People yeah. seemed to really respond to it, and um, everybody seems to want to have an opinion about it prior to knowing what it is, which yeah. is always really interesting in comics. People make up their own mind. They go, "Oh, they're turning him into Deathlock." I hate Rick Remender. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always, well, it was funny. I always love I always love checking out the commentaries yeah. and just going like, "Well, you guys don't know what's happening. You right. made up your own mind and then decided you hate it. <laughs> like, what is that?" Well, it's funny because you mentioned because my preconceived notion going into it was I saw the imagery and I heard, saw the word Frank Castle and I immediately I rolled my eyes and then I saw Tony Moore I go oh okay right? like, like, I was like okay that's going to be good like just for whatever reason the oh, Tony, so, the so, Tony so Moore factor. When you know that I'm involved yeah, exactly. when you know I'm involved you roll your eyes but then you see Tony Moore and you think it's going to be okay it's well, good no, talking with you Ron I gotta go alright good no but I knew, I knew that, that it was another example of you guys who you know proven in terms of working together and the amount the level of fun that goes into it and the creativity that goes yep. into it that, that and I know you don't fuck around with what you're doing and I know that you know you're doing stuff for the reason and, and turning him into Deathlock is probably not what's going to happen but um, yeah. but 
but you know it, the, the the it's funny that you say that because we're every all the commenters and even all, all of us in the whatever media whatever always always laugh about what the reactions of the creators are to the reactions of the fans. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I I I really try not to not to read that stuff until the the books come out, and even then, it's not a great idea. Right. Um, because ultimately, you have to focus on you know you have you have a responsibility to tell people a good story and a responsibility to kill yourself to put as much as you can into every page to make sure that you've worked your foundation to death and that you really know what you're doing right from the get-go, you know, like starting Punisher number one, we knew what was going to be happening up through, up through now or up through, uh, up through uh, 11. Um, um, and it's, 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 it's better storytelling that way. And you have a responsibility to make sure that the people paying that money, which comics are expensive now, get what they deserve. You know, they get their money's worth out of it. But ultimately, you can't pander, and, and that becomes, you know, a conflict. And if you read too many uh, people's opinions, pro or con, it can skew your sort of natural barometer for what you should be doing. And it's important. It's important that, like, when Tony Moore and I take on um, Frank Castle, we do it in a way that makes us very, very excited about it. Um, and if we're really excited about it, and Marvel's really excited about it, um, I, I hope that people will trust that what's going to happen is so fucking ridiculously awesome, because yeah. <laughs> uh, it is. It really is. If I could send you five, I got five Tony Moore pages that if I could send you right now, they'd blow the dick off your body. They're just—it's the craziest, most fun ever. Yeah. And uh, it all—it all—and it naturally grows out of what happens in issues nine, ten, and the list. Yeah. Well, so so now, so you said you know when you started on Punisher, you had you knew what was coming in the first year. How far how far out on the book do you have do you have planned? I mean, you know, like have you dug your heels in and you know where the book's going to be in the next the next year, the next twelve issues? Um, I know where I know where the book is up into uh, around issue I think twenty right now. Second annual and up to issue twenty are pretty well locked down. Mm at this point for me um and ideas keep coming though so i you know i don't know if I'll, i don't know if i'll keep going on the book past then um i i, I would like to i if the ideas stay as uh as, as rapid fire in my mind as, as they as they have been but ultimately um who knows you know because yeah. I'm, I'm always fascinated by when you get on these you know runs of an ongoing or whatever and it's like how, how far you know because you said the ideas keep coming and how far a creator can plan out and plus with the way the market is and the way everything goes like that, you know, and we, we all hope for the storied run on a book, but realistically, you, you know, you're doing 12 issues a year. That's not a lot to do a lot of story, you know, right. um, so at no. least in the yeah. Claremont definition of story. So. Well, yeah, I try to be as, con- as concise and, 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 and tell as much story as I can in an issue. Um, but even then there's only, there's really, it goes quick. Yeah. It goes quick. Yeah. So, um, so now when you, you know, recently, uh, like in the spring, it was announced that you went exclusive to Marvel and, you know, we've talked about it. You were on the video show. We talked about it and, and, and I saw, I've read your blog post and kind of the reactions to people go, to use getting signed to Marvel. And, and I know the, you know, I know your answer has been, we're, these are the stories we want to do. And this is, you know, we did that and I've got a family and all those kind of things. That's not what I'm asking about. What I'm curious about is that did you anticipate or what was your kind of reaction to the reaction of the fans to you signing exclusive to Marvel? Because I was shocked to hear so many people 
be bummed because they loved Fear Agent, they loved your creator on work, and they wanted to see more of it. And while everyone's excited to see you do stuff on Marvel, I it, like it was almost it was as closest to like the band signing to a major label feeling that that which I haven't seen in years, you know, because yeah. you, know, you know, and you know, I don't think and, and it comes off as a it comes off as a bad you know it comes off as like a negative connotation. But I was I was surprised by the the volume of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um... You know, going back to the band analogy, I, I I I think that it's it's like it only it only is apt if the band signed to the big label and then started playing Creed covers. You know, right. um, I get it. You know, I get it. Yeah. I, yeah, the, the 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 assumption is that band signs to big label and now that there's so much money involved, that band has to start churning out you know three singles that are that are. You know, come on, baby, 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 love, 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 right. um, and, and and make some some happy bullshit. I'm I'm not doing it. You know, yeah. like the great thing about this is that I'm I'm working with people who are like minded and doing the kind of comics that I want to do, and I'm yeah. doing them at Marvel. And I I hope my biggest fear is that there's not a crossover appeal. The kind of stuff that I do on my own in the indie world, and it, 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 you know, my Dark Horse and, and other books. Um, my fear is that 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 those universes don't cross-pollinate, and I really hope they do, because the assumption, I think, is that you go to Marvel and you start doing stuff that's not that's not like your other stuff or not good or not it's not your voice. Right. And um, I'm working with editors who... who they, they, we like, we like. This well, the, the, I mean, they, they, Marvel wanted you for your voice. I mean, that, that's only. I, the, I, I, yeah. I like to think uh, so. I don't, yeah. I don't know what else they would have wanted me for. I, my, my, my glowing personality and, and pleasant demeanor. <laughs> I don't. I, I only go so far. Um, but I, I think. I mean, I think one of the uh, one of one of my friends kind of probably probably uh, summed it up uh, this opinion best in that he said, you know. I, I, I understand Marvel wins because they got Remender. I understand Remender wins because he's got his deal and, and he's got exclusivity and work and stuff like that. It's like, but why do I feel that Remender fans lose? And that and I thought that nailed that opinion. And I told him, I'm like, well, you know, you if you're a Remender fan, then you'll follow him to Marvel. I hope. I think the books are. I, I stand behind the books. I really do. And there's things I've done, it, it, uh, you know, in, in mainstream comics that I don't stand behind. And I won't sit here and tell you you should go find. Yeah. But I really like. I think this Punisher stuff is is really fun. And I and I love the guys I'm working with. And yeah. the Doctor Voodoo stuff is crazy fun. And this Thunderbolts uh, double sized issue I did is is really fun. I I'm I'm bringing a lot of energy to it. And. Um, I hope that people don't feel like they're losing, you know? Ultimately, uh, the fear agent thing, as, as uh, if film things progress and if film things move forward, um, then, then it'll be a lot easier for us to guarantee that we'll be able to put the book back on, on, uh, on a meaningful monthly right. status. But then the question becomes, um, Tony and Jerome and I are, are doing stuff at Marvel, so they wouldn't be the guys to draw it. Um, you know, or or maybe Tony Tony would would have some hand in the art. Um, if 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 they if neither of those guys were involved at all, and we had a new art team, would it would it be worth restarting the book up? There's yeah. all kinds of other questions and problems that go into these things. Um, and uh, you know, does it come down to to finances? In in the case of of something like um, uh, like Fear Agent, you know, if uh, if Tony and Jerome and I are, are are making the same kind of books we want at Marvel. 
and 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 but I'll just be frank. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dance around it or lie. Yeah. You know, there is more there is more to be had from a monthly paycheck in terms of doing that. Sure. Um, and and more money means less stress, and it means that you can afford to live in a place where people aren't shooting each other and things. Yes. Which, which <laughs> I've done I've done for too many years. Yeah. You know. Um, I don't want any. I don't want. I have a daughter now. I don't want her to get shot at. Right. So I'm. I'm. I'm hoping that like I can still. I can find a crossover appeal where people who like Fear Agent or or Nightmare or End League or Strange Girl can pick up Doctor Voodoo or The Punisher and say, Oh, I like Fear Agent, and this Punisher stuff is the same guys who make that. <laughs> you know, I yeah. mean, is the character different? Yeah, but but there there is. He's uh, eerily similar. That's the other thing too. <laughs> there, there is a similarity, and I didn't find voice wise that I mean, I had to really downplay some of the humanity angles that Heath has and the the sort of internal conflict. Where Frank is a force of nature who just does things. Yeah. Um, Frank knows what he does, and Frank Frank moves forward and does it. Force of nature. Um, so that there's differences. But there are there are similarities in how to tell a good fun comic book with those characters for sure, and and uh, ultimately I really hope that people will at least if they decide that, that what I'm saying and obviously the person is writing it, it uh, you know has to be taken with a grain of salt. I, if I heard it, I would assume. Uh, I hope that anybody who goes out and buys the new Punisher like hardcover that came out yesterday, the, it has issues one through five of the stuff that Jerome and I did. As an introductory, you know, exercise into what I'm doing at Marvel. If they don't like that, um, and they like my creator-owned stuff, I, you know, what can I say to that other than I, I gave them both the same love and energy that I had. I wrote them with the exact same intensity and 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 passion for trying to make a a real full fun comic book. Mm. And hopefully, at the end of the day, those people can cross over and see that. And if not, um, there's Last Days of American Crime, which is coming out in December, which yep. is 150 pages, all painted by the biggest motherfucking badass in the universe, Greg Tokini. Um, crazy good. Did you see any of those pages? I did see some of the pages. I want. I did want to ask you about that because I knew that that I knew that project was it was announced a while ago. It was kicking around. We've never really talked about it. I saw a couple of pages online, but tell, so tell us what what is the Last Days of American Crime? Well, yeah, uh, as, as a nice segue. <laughs> yeah, they like that? I, I'm a pro. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. I, I, I think that the um, um, the fans of, like, Triple X Zombies and Fear Agent will be uh, will be excited about this because it's written from that same place. It's a, uh, it's not, it's definitely not a grindhouse. It's a little smarter. I'm reading a lot of James O'Roy to try and get the foundation Ooh, just right. Nice. Um, but it's it's a crime story with a real fun uh, sci-fi high concept, and it takes place in, a, in, a, in the not-too-distant future when the American government scientists have discovered a uh, they've discovered a frequency that makes it impossible for humans to do anything they know to be unlawful and so they're planning the government is in in, re, in reaction to numerous uh, dirty bombs going off a few years earlier they're just going to turn this frequency on from all of the radio towers across the country hence making a crime impossible so everybody will be on good behavior forever <laughs> um, and of course, the story gets broken two weeks before the broadcast gets turned on, and you've got then we focus downwards into um, the the, uh, the trailer parks of Los Angeles with Graham Brick, a 53 year old ex meth addict who is uh, has been planning uh, a heist. The government has also been converting. Uh, given that all illegal activity is is paid for with paper currency, the government has been transferring U.S. currency to fidu- fiduciary charge cards. 
where you wouldn't ever get paid in cash. You just get it charged to your card. And that way they can track all the money and tax everybody and do all that fun stuff. Um, but so he's got a, Graham has been planning a heist to steal one of the machines that charges the charge cards. And basically, when they announced that the American Peace Initiative, which is this broadcast, is going to be uh, turned on on New Year's Eve, he realizes the job that was going to take him six months is going to take him two weeks, and he has to call in a couple of uh, a couple of safe crackers and, and, and hackers who he's never met before to do the job fast. And as good all good heist stories that. Uh, things don't go according to plan that sounds really cool i'll be honest with you having not having not heard you pitch it that sounds really cool <laughs> um well, so so why so why go the painted route with, with the art well greg tokini i mean look they got alex and leave on covers yeah, which i saw those and, are beautiful oh and the interiors are, are, are of a quality that match every single page is a beautiful work of art greg tokini is uh introduced to me by Raphael albuquerque um, and uh, he's one of the Brazilian guys. He's, he's with the, with oh. buddies with Moon and Bon, all those guys down there. And uh, and Raphael sent me some of his work, and I contacted him and said, "Look, man, I've got a I've got a crime book that's coming up, and it's high concept, and it needs to be very stylized and very hip and very very sexy. And at the same time, we're going to have a lot of you know a lot of terrible, ugly, horrible things happen, and and, and good good classic you know '70s men magazine crime drama stuff, um, you know." And uh, I need I need to you know find somebody who can come in and do all the artwork, pencils, inks, and colors, and really bring a specific feel to this. And uh, he was super excited and came right on board. And the pages started coming in. And man, I just got four new ones today, and I can't stop looking at them. They're so so amazing. This thing, it's going to be 150 pages um, oh, when all is said and done. Each issue has 48 pages of painted material and it's only five bucks an issue so um, if you haven't tried I don't you know um, all I can say is if you're a fan of my creator own work this thing is on par with anything I've done I think it's like a high watermark I have uh, I've been writing the screenplay for it I was hired to write the screenplay by uh, the by the production company so concurrently I'm writing that and um, two really, really giant movie stars have uh, basically attached themselves to it. Nice. And so there'll be news coming on for that soon. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would beg you to, to pick up that first issue because mm. I know it'll hook your ass. Cool. So and so, if you're writing the screenplay, so that that you your foray into the movie world has pretty much you've been you know you cannonballed right into that deep end of the pool. It seems with the like what like three or four projects active in Hollywood right now. Things are things are things are moving. Yeah. yeah, on lots of stuff, and there's things like couple three things that haven't been announced, and Jeez. it's crazy. So, yeah. so what can you t- what can you tell us? So this is what I this is what I think I know. Um, so you, you got the last days of American crime, like you just said. Fear agent, some, something's moving to fear agent. Something's moving to nightmare. Something's moving to triple X zombies. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. about right. Okay. Um, Nightmare has been official and announced, and that's Animal Logic. Yeah. Um, the, the people behind all of the wonderful things that happened in, in 300 and uh, and The Matrix. And they, um, they've they basically put together all of these films, uh, and, and now they're getting into uh, actually just ma- just making the entire films. And so they're, cool. they're pulling in some very interesting choices um, for, for what, what will come together on that. And boy, that... That Nightmare has always been this book that I love, and Kieran and I killed ourselves on it, and I can't understand why it's like 
I, I, I can't get people to, uh, to, to buy it. I, I'll, I'll hand sell it at shows. I'm like, I don't know. You know what? what this I'm like, I, I know it's a girl. I know that you don't want to read a comic about a girl, but, but open it. It's a nice, you know, horror, horror suspense story. <laughs> so seeing, uh, that it's got this sort of reaction from the, uh, from the people at Animal Logic and it's going to get like a real effects house doing the, 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 this film, um, you know, I think it's worth it. I've always loved the book and hopefully, people haven't read it they'd pick it up this is a trade paper back out with idw they just went into the third printing on very cool so and um and rumors with fear agent like you like you mentioned the, that it might you know that's it's the wheels are moving and that sort of thing right um yeah yeah i mean you know it's yeah. uh, the rumors are are, are the rumors <laughs> I, I, we haven't you know it it i yeah, I've been. I can't talk anymore yeah, about it. Fair enough. And and so so what is so as you've moved from the world of kind of creating comics into the world of kind of movies, is it is it like is it mind blowing? Are you like are you just handed off to a bunch of agents and you step away? How involved are you in terms of talk, generally speaking? You know. Well, as a DIY guy, I'm probably more involved than I should be. Um, <laughs> nice. I don't. I, I I have my finger in everything, and I. I tend because I can, you know, doing the creator on books for so many years, you're basically self editing. I love when people think that I had an editor at Image, you know, like, how would you, your editor missed all these typos? I'm like, oh, you mean my mom? <laughs> oh, oh, my mom missed them. Well, hold on. Let me get her on the phone. <laughs> Fuck you, mom. Um, yeah. You know, so you're basically doing everything trafficking. I was doing a lot of the graphic design stuff, writing the book, keeping everybody working, paying. I was keeping track of paying everybody. And that's on like five monthly ongoings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, oh, and I was working full time at EA. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, going back, boo hoo for me. <laughs> so, as somebody who's neurotic and a workaholic and has to be involved in everything, um, I'm keeping on, 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 on track of it. But. Um, I've got a really great lawyer who who has uh, saved my life basically. As all of this happened, and you know, with with the things that you've mentioned, there's also a lot that's happened that hasn't been announced. Right. Uh, I was I was in a crazy place, and and my lawyer, you know, Harris Miller came in and saved my saved my brain. That's the, that's the one thing that I think a lot of creators have to learn is that good representation probably goes a long way. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God! If I if I didn't have Harris, I don't yeah. know what I, where I would have been. Well, you know, it, I mean, it's like you get the you get the right person for the right job. It's like you're not gonna you know you're, if you're if you're a, a writer, you're not gonna ink your book because you know you get an inker. You know what I mean? Like it's the same kind of method, right. you know, idea. Yeah. I happen to be a really good inker. True. Too, yeah, so you're lucky. Yes. Yeah, so. I mean, look, like, like, I mean, look, Ron. I'm just saying it's fine. <laughs> if I had to, if I had to pencil and ink it and color it and write it, sure I could. Yes, the, I'm, the, I'm that talented. I know. The, I know you want to keep on going on about. Talented I am, but, but the problem is, is that when you go to LA and they've got that big contract and you hand in an inked version of the contract, they're gonna go, uh, <laughs> well, I look at the lines I did on page 32. Right? <laughs> hey, check that out. I used I used a Windsor Newton Series 7 triple lot on that one, got some razor thin sharp lines. <laughs> I made the appendix section look just jump off the page. <laughs> no, but you it's... really did. This is a fantastic contract. You're hired. Oh, that's funny, but um, but so so it's good that you got somebody watching out for you and that that it's shepherding your projects forward. Because I mean, because honestly, and that, that's the funny thing is that you know, like you know, like we were talking earlier about the you know, you go to Marvel and stuff like that. Is that you know, Last Days of American Crime hasn't even come out yet. You know, you got another you got another full story arc on Fury Agent to, to come out. Like your creator on stuff didn't poof go away. 
You know? No, no, and there's still there's you got the End League issue nine, which is a double sized issue by Andy McDonald, which is beautiful. It's done. You got the last issue of Gigantic, which Eric Nguyen got the Halo job, and so yeah. Gigantic got put on hold. But he's finally finished that, and I'm doing the final script. Um, so you still got the Gigantic trade that'll come out after that. You got the second End League trade that has yeah. you know like 150 pages of Eric Kennedy and, and oh, Andy McDonald. So good. Um, and then there's and then there's uh, the last Fear Agent arc with with Mike Hawthorne, Tony Moore, and John Lucas on art. Um, that that it's half done. We just want it all done before we start shipping it because I want people to read it monthly. Right. Um, and uh, so yeah, and that and then Last Days of American Crime coming out and launching in December, which is uh, I think still a pretty good amount of creator-owned stuff coming out. Totally. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think, and then, so for the Fear Agent fans or for the crime fans, whatever, they, they, they've got stuff coming out, so that's good. And so then, on top of that, you got, so Punisher's ongoing, currently out now. You got the list coming out soon. Um, and Brother Voodoo starts in, in, or Dr. Voodoo starts in October. Um, yep. Not bad, not bad, my friend. This is, it's come a long way since we first started talking, like, three years ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I got a, I got a lot of, uh, Got a lot of pictures of a lot of people doing a lot of horses. <laughs> well, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you need to have that ammunition to go in your career. <laughs> yeah, if you're, if you're not good at stuff, then the horse fucking pictures are pretty great. <laughs> what was the What was the reaction that you told me in San Diego? Was it <laughs> Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Hand video? Yeah. <laughs> he goes, whoa, whoa, spaghetti, whoa! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't take credit. I think that's uh, that's Brian Posehn's joke. Okay, well, either way, either way, that was the, pretty much the last story I got on Sunday night in San Diego. So that's pretty much what capped my convention experience. So thank you for that that, that mental <laughs> well, I'm image. Glad, of, I could, of, glad, glad I could help. Horse fucking. I'm so glad that it's all mature conversation in comics. That's what's great. <laughs> yeah, that's why we got into comics to be mature. <laughs> So I want to thank Rick for taking some time out of his day to talk to us and tell us about his super cool projects. And you can check out uh, Dr. Voodoo, Avenger of the Supernatural uh, when it comes out in October. And Punisher's ongoing at Marvel, and uh, there's more Fear Agent coming. And so uh, if you're a fan of Rick Remender, it's, it's a pretty good time. Uh, so be sure to head over to ifanboy.com. Check out all the great content we have there. It's free, and uh, we want you to enjoy it and listen and, and read and all that wonderful stuff. Uh, if you have any questions or any suggestions of people you'd like to hear us talk to, you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com. Until next time, I'm Ron Richards, and I'll see you later.